Welcome to the Older Adult to Geriatric Nutrition Answers podcast presented to you by longtermcarerd.com. I'm Michelle Sari and I'm your host and presenter of today's episode. Today on episode two, we're going to be talking about liberalizing diets. So I'm going to give you the top three tips that you can advocate to get your patient's diet liberalized. I apologize if my voice is a little raspy today. I have a summertime cold, which is great, (laughs) but I will power through this episode. So providing liberalized diets should be almost the number one priority of all dietitians that's working in the older adult to geriatric population. Specifically, if you're working in the long-term care nursing home field, it's important that we have as few diet restrictions as possible. Putting diet restrictions on a patient, and by diet restrictions, I'm talking about controlled carbohydrate, um, low-fat diets, we're increasing their risk of malnutrition. As dietitians, we're already battling against this malnutrition, and so to put as few roadblocks in place, we need to decrease those risks. Uh, Dietitians and those that are caring for the elderly should advocate for liberalizing diets as much as is safely possible. So how can you do that? Let me give you a scenario. Imagine being told what to eat, how to eat, and when to eat. Imagine eating whatever you want for most of your adult life, only to all of a sudden be restricted to pureed foods, low salt, no bananas, and the list continues to going on. And then imagine just having no choice in your diet anymore. That is exactly how our patients feel when we begin to restrict their diets without their consent. As dietitians, we do our best to prescribe diets that we, as the nutrition professionals, doctors, speech-language pathologists, and more, feel are necessary to help our patients reduce their risks. We also do it because we believe that it will benefit our patients. But what if we started weighing diet restrictions on the same level that we hold their quality of life? We need to start advocating for our patients' right to choose and refuse diet restrictions, That was one of their rights out in the community, and it is also one of their rights inside a long-term care home. They do have the right to refuse care, and that also means the diets that we recommend for them. So what does it mean to liberalize a diet? Liberalizing a diet means lifting diet restrictions that are in place to manage their chronic diseases, chewing and swallowing issues, and other health conditions that require it. By liberalizing a patient's diet, we are saying that one general diet prescription does not fit everyone. In many facilities, a low-sodium diet, for example, has very specific restrictions. It depends on your facility, but the patient may no longer get any regular sodium soup, no added salt in their recipes, no table-side salt available, and typically that goes for all patients on a low-sodium diet. It's important that if we are shifting towards a patient-centered care approach, that we start personalizing diet prescriptions as well. This isn't to say that diet prescriptions and therapeutic diets don't have a time and a place where they're necessary, so let's compare this to therapeutic diets. The purpose of a therapeutic diet is it's a modified diet prescribed by a healthcare practitioner that is used to manage chronic diseases or other health conditions. Therapeutic diets include, but are not limited to two areas, 
texture modification and ingredient modification. So some texture modifications that we see are pureed, minced, soft, uh, blenderized or liquidized. We also modify their fluids, so they might be mildly thick or moderately thick. Some ingredient modifications might be low salt, low fat, low lactose, diabetic diet, renal diet, clear liquid diet, and many more. So you can see that there are texture modified diet examples and ingredient modified diet examples, but it's not inclusive of everyone that's out there. These are just some very common ones that we see. Now, there has been a massive initiative for a number of years now, probably about five years from what I can remember in long-term care, that facilities are pushing to implement IDSI for continuity of care. Now, I'm not going to go on my rant here on my thoughts on IDSI. I'll save that for a later date. Or you can check out longtermcarerd.com for an article that I wrote um, why IDSI just doesn't work in long-term care. But IDSI also restricts liberalizing diets when we have blanket diets for all. Any IDSI diet prescription would be considered a therapeutic diet because it is meant to manage a health condition or dysphagia. Again, though, it's a diet restriction. Um, I would recommend if your facility is pushing to implement IDSI and you don't think that it's going to work, speak up. Don't just go along with it. There's a lot of work that needs to be done for IDSI and long-term care and a lot of modifications that need to be made. So that's a diet prescription that I don't recommend implementing. And again, I'll go into that into a later episode. But uh, one of the common issues that we are dealing with and a reason that we should advocate for liberalizing diets is appetite loss in the elderly. It is probably one of the most common issues that we deal with as RDs working with the elderly. By further restricting diets and possibly removing foods that they enjoy, we risk decreasing their intake. Managing appetite loss in the elderly means providing food and fluids that they enjoy in a texture and a manner that they enjoy. Appetite loss in the elderly puts them at a higher risk of malnutrition, weight loss, associated poor health outcomes, delayed wound healing, and early mortality. There are countless factors that can contribute to appetite loss in the elderly, but visual appeal of food, taste, smell of food, and preferences being honored are factors. Now, if you picture in your head right now, what does a pureed or a minced texture diet look like in your facility? Does it lack the visual appeal of the regular texture diet? Do you guys take into account the contrast between plates and what's being served on it? Does the food look like it is the actual food itself or is it just three scoops on a plate? You can see if you're picturing this in your head in most facilities, that's why we have appetite loss in the elderly when it comes to the visual appeal. And this all leads to my point on why we need to look at liberalizing these diets in the elderly. Some of the benefits when we look at liberalizing the diets in the elderly is it improves their nutrition status and their quality of life. Meal times have been rated as one of the favorite parts of an older adult's day in long-term care. The reason being is that it is one of the few areas of their care that they continue to have some self-control over. They typically don't get to pick when their bath days are or what time meals are or when medications come, but when it comes to what's on their plate, they do have some say in that. 
As RDs, we are dedicated to two things, according to the American Dietetic Association. We apply medical nutrition therapy, and we promote quality of life. By applying liberalized diets for the elderly, we can improve their quality of life, reduce the risks of malnutrition, reduce risk of appetite loss, and improve their intake. Studies that have looked at liberalizing diets in the elderly have found that it reduced the risk of frailty without increasing chronic disease progression. If you want to see any of these references, they're all listed on the website, by the way. So how do RDs liberalize the diets? Document, document, document. I have heard from countless RDs that have asked about the patient and their representative signing a waiver. These waivers just mean that they accept the risk associated with not following a therapeutic diet. The problem here, though, is that the waivers don't stand up in court. I'm not offering legal advice here, but I will summarize what I've found, and you can find the information linked to this episode of the podcast. A patient has the right to choose or refuse any treatment. This includes therapeutic diet. If a patient is refusing any type of therapeutic diet that the RD, SLP, or doctor believes is in the appropriate and safe choice, it needs to be documented in their chart. There needs to be discussions held with all the parties involved, and you need to educate them on the risks associated with refusing the prescribed diet. And this includes telling them that, let's say, for example, the recommendation is a puree diet, but they want regular The early risk of mortality needs to be discussed. They risk choking to death. In my experience, I have had two near-fatal choking incidents with patients of mine, not because of any neglect of care by the staff, but because the resident chose to go with a diet that was not deemed uh, the recommendations. And that's okay. They have the right to do that. But you as the RD need to be very blunt and honest about all the risks involved. Once these discussions with all the parties have been held, you need to document exactly what happened. It may take you a while, but it's very important that you state specifically what you stated were the risks. If a patient is refusing a diet texture modification, the SLP or speech language pathologist needs to be involved in these discussions and they also need to document. Ensure that you have ongoing discussions with the patient and their representative about the diet and how things are going, if they would like to go with your prescribed diet and continually document. You're not trying to change their mind, but you always want them to be aware of the ongoing risk. Also, that they can change their diet at any time. I highly recommend that RDs educate themselves on how to document these discussions. We have an article on the website that talks about a patient's right to choose and refuse, so you should probably look that one up. I will link it in this episode, though. Another thing that I constantly hear from RDs is how do I advocate this with a doctor that won't budge? So here's three tips for advocating for a liberalized diet. Speak facts, number one. If a doctor doesn't want to improve diet liberalization for a patient, find research articles that support your case. These may be ones that I've presented in my articles that speak to reduce frailty, improved malnutrition, no increased risk of chronic disease progression, and improved quality of life. You want facts to back up your case, and in my experience, that's how most doctors work too. Number two, do your research. Make sure if the liberalized diet you're speaking to is something like a diabetic diet that you've done your patient research. For example, you want to liberalize 
a diabetic diet, you've looked at their nutrition-related labs, so you've tracked the A1Cs, and their numbers are within an acceptable range, intake records, anything relevant to liberalizing the diet, you need to research your patient because all of these recommendations for liberalizing are patient-specific. I'm not giving a blanket statement that every patient's diet needs to be liberalized today. You need to educate yourself on that specific patient and their medical records. And number three goes into what I was just talking about. You need to individualize the diet prescription. If it isn't safe to fully liberalize a diet, you should look at what you're recommending. If we continue the example above, let's say, for example, their A1C is above what is recommended, we will then liberalize in areas that we are confident won't continue to raise blood sugars. So a typical dessert in long-term care is about 15 to 25 grams of sugar, which in combination with a protein and fiber-rich meal, it shouldn't spike blood sugars in theory in most people. So maybe we now allow for regular desserts. So instead of the standard fruit cup, we continue to give diabetic juices with meals, but they can have that dessert. So you want to tailor the diet prescription to safely meet the nutritional and quality of life needs of your patients. Some closing thoughts on liberalizing diet. Liberalizing diets doesn't mean that we throw out all the usefulness of a therapeutic diet because there are circumstances where we still need those therapeutic diets. It means that we instead start to focus on person-centered care and develop meal plans for our patients that meet their needs. These include their emotional and preference-based needs about what they want to eat. We continue to use therapeutic diets when necessary, but we ensure that we record diet preferences, likes and dislikes, and honor their right to choose and refuse. Work with your team and ensure that you are continually documenting if you are liberalizing a diet. Now, if you are looking for a great resource on how to document properly with case study examples, take a look in our shop. We've got some great resources that are written by a dietitian and for dietitians. So those are my top three tips for how to liberalize a diet, as well as the justification to do so. If you liked this episode of the podcast, be sure to give it a five-star review. I don't want your one-star reviews. Thank you very much. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at LongTermCareRD. You can find the website at www.LongTermCareRD.com. An article will also be linked in the show description notes that you can check out. And be sure to tune in next week for another episode of Older Adult to Geriatric Nutrition Answers presented to you by the Long-Term Care RD.